Congratulations for investing in your family today by joining the AI Parenting Podcast as we learn about parenting in this ever-changing world of AI. We're a judgment-free community moving from screen time to quality time. Our motto is don't sedate, relate to create. And today we're going to dive deep into the future of sedation by going deep into how federated tracking is going to forever change the internet as you know it. Cookies are the main way that big tech connects your behaviors on the internet to your personal identity. It's how big tech knows what posts, videos, and ads to serve you next. So why is big tech getting rid of cookies? I'll give you a hint. It's not because they've stopped tracking you. Today, we're going to learn how AI is hiding deeper. And we're going to shed light on new AI concepts that big tech doesn't want you to know. The Electronic Frontier Foundation, a leading nonprofit defending digital privacy and free speech for over 30 years, had this to say about federated tracking. Big tech will surely tout this as a step forward for transparency and user control knowing full well that the vast majority of its users will not understand how the federated learning of cohorts or flock works and that very few will go out of their way to turn it off. So I decided, hey, that would be a good challenge for today to explain something that is designed to be hard to understand. I'm your host, Dr. Ed. If you're feeling anxious about screen time, I'm here to tell you that it's not your fault. No one could have predicted how AI would fundamentally change our world. And today, AI is changing so quickly, it's a struggle to keep up. I mean, there's been a lot of news regarding changes to tracking our actions on the internet this month. Facebook bought a full page ad in the New York Times about how Apple's new opt-in or app tracking hurts small businesses. Why would Apple giving you the option to opt-in to app tracking be bad for small businesses? We browse more than a Statue of Liberty worth of posts every single day. The milliseconds that we spend on each post tells big tech about your unconscious desires. Soon, apps like Facebook will need you to opt in to tracking in order to send this information back to the Facebook AI. As a small business owner, it means that it's harder for their ads to target specific users based on their unconscious desires. But don't get me wrong, this is not about Apple trying to better protect your privacy. This is not about Apple fighting the big bad Facebook from capturing your data. It's a walled garden strategy that is going to force more advertisers to move to Apple's own mobile ad platform rather than those of Google or Facebook. This is about Apple staking a claim to the mobile advertising market that they own and control. So how is big tech reacting to this and other legal restrictions such as the Europe's Global Data Protection Regulation or GDPR? This is where federated tracking comes in. As I mentioned at the beginning, this is going to change the internet as you know it. Uh, this month, Google announced that they would not build identifiers or tools to track users across multiple websites starting next year. Great news, right? 
Instead, our web products will be powered by privacy-preserving technology, which prevent individual tracking while still delivering results for advertisers and publishers, said David Temkin, Google's Director of Product Management for Ads, Privacy, and Trust. Google released their alternative to cookie tracking, known as the Federated Learning of Cohorts, or Flock, into Chrome this month to enable ad targeting based on the user's general browsing interest without the websites knowing their exact browsing history. Google's Flock is a terrible idea, wrote the Electronic Frontier Foundation in a public blog post. Mark my words. In several years, you will yearn for the days of cookie tracking, when you could at least know what companies were tracking about you. What is happening today parallels what happened to AI in the 1990s, when people like Target Dad learned things from AI suggestions that they didn't know about their own families. You'll see how history is repeating itself. Big tech is stopping the creepiness, but not the creeping. We'll explore these three topics to understand Flock. First, baking Flock cookies. Second, data rights. And third, unconscious advertising. So let's jump into it. So the first one that we're going to talk about is baking Flock cookies. <laughs> so one way to understand federated tracking is to think about the analogy of baking cookies in 1961. Imagine this world without smartphones or the internet. So you first got a sugar cookie recipe uh, from page 152 of the classic. You, you, you're, you know this one, right? So this is the classic red-orange Betty Crocker cookbook. And over time, you found, hmm, you know what? It tastes better if you add mint chocolate chips and you bake it for less time in the oven. You shared your mint chocolate chip cookies at the office and everyone loved them. And they begged you, they begged you for your secret recipe. I mean, since everyone had the same Betty Crocker book, you just wrote down that you followed page 152 and you added mint chocolate chips and you baked it for 10 minutes less. You put it onto a card and you stuck it on a bulletin board so everyone could see it, but it didn't have your name on it. And this is important. It did not have your name. It's just the recipe. So next week, Ethel brought in these pecan cookies. Oh, and they were so good. She put her modifications to page 152 on the board as well. So she talked about what she added, maybe a little bit more cinnamon, a little bit more pecan, she put it onto the board. And soon, over time, the whole board was filled with changes to page 152. Now, the manager came in and said, like he looked at this board and said, wow, we should really give these recipes to Betty Crocker. So he asked Yvonne, the secretary, to summarize the board and write a letter to Betty, Betty Crocker. Uh, Yvonne put the popular cards together and then she sent them to Betty Crocker. 
who put those new recipes in the 1962 edition. So the next year, she put those recipes into the new version. Now, it seems like a crazy, weird story, like baking these cookies, but this is what flock is. This is this is what flock is. It is a description of how flock works. It's kind of like these recipes. There's a model that's sent out, except that instead of baking uh, cookies, the recipe is actually a model of your unconscious online behaviors. It's a way of deciding what your next post should be and what next what the next video you should watch or maybe even what the next ad you'll be shown. And so here's two reasons. Well, I'll, I'll describe two reasons why this will change the Internet as you know it. The first is that millions of people are contributing to the next version of the Betty Crocker cookbook of what you should see next on the Internet. But the only person who gets paid is Betty Crocker. Your contributions are mandatory and your compensation zero. Your compensation is zero. Betty Crocker is getting filthy rich over your contributions. But technically, since your name was not on the card, you will never see a dime. Your contributions are now the legal property of Betty Crocker. Now, Betty Crocker might say, hey, this is about protecting your privacy. But in reality, the more layers that anonymize your contribution, the less claim you have to Betty Crocker's profits. And, and this is very important, the less rights you have to correct misinformation about your online identity. And the less rights you have to have information about you removed. You're not really going to be able to, to remove this information because it's legally not your information. The second point is that there are different kinds of companies or cohorts, as they call it. So they, it's a federated learning of cohorts. So like think of cohorts like the companies in the Betty Crocker example. Some are mom and pop shops in a poor black neighborhood. And then others are the Ritz-Carlton. This is not new. What you get shown online already depends on your race, gender, and income. I mean, using AI to predict your socioeconomic status, again, also is not new. In 2013, Facebook was granted a patent for inferring household income for users of a social networking system based on the sites that you visit and the place where you live. So, like, there's already a patent on this exact issue. Like, granted a patent. I'm not talking about when they were applying for a patent. In 2013, they were granted the patent for this. Also, 
like this automatic opting you in to send your data to big tech is also not new as well. Uh, for example, in 2018, Google started automatically opting you into Chrome browser logging when you logged into any Google product, such as Gmail. So I don't know if you know that, but like if you're on Google Chrome, you just log into Gmail, the information is being sent to, to Google, right? <laughs> it's, it's frightening. It's frightening. <laughs> yes. In 2013, uh, Gizmodo's uh, Kashmir Hill wrote about how shadow profiles. Now, you, you've heard this in the news a little bit about shadow profiles. Um, these are people who never created a Facebook account. Uh, they were discovered when a user downloaded their Facebook file. And it included not just their friend's visible contact information, but also their friend's shadow uh, contact information. Uh, so the extent of the connections uh, Facebook builds around its users is supposed to be visible really only for the company itself. Uh, but in this case, a bug uh, revealed a truth. Your information is being stored on Facebook even if you don't have a Facebook account. Um, in the same article, you heard um, horrifying stories such as uh, a man who years ago donated sperm to a couple secretly um, so they could have a child only to have Facebook recommend the child as a person he should know. Um, they didn't like that person. He still knows the couple, but um, he's not friends with them on Facebook. But somehow he knows that, yep, your child, this child, because you create the profile, right? Like, so it knows that. Again, unconscious input. It kind of doesn't matter whether or not you friended a person. It knows. A social worker whose clients called her by her nickname on the second visit uh, because she'd known, but because she's shown up um, in his uh, people you may know uh, profile. So people you may know. So if you go like to your friends list and it'll suggest people you know. Um, you know, despite not having exchanged any contact information, you suddenly find that this person that you just called you by a nickname, suddenly they appear in this people you may know profile. A woman whose father left her family when she was six years old, like this is somebody like, you, you wouldn't even know, uh, saw his then mistress suggested to her as a Facebook friend 40 years later. <laughs> so uh, like a father you hadn't seen for 40 years, you see her mistress on your Facebook profile. Like this is AI like, revealing its creepiness. And like I said, reactions to creepiness are why things get changed. An attorney uh, who wrote, I deleted Facebook after it recommended, as uh, people you may know, a man who was defense counsel on one of my cases. We had only communicated through my work email, which is not connected to my Facebook which convinced me that uh, Facebook was scanning my work email. So a person that you've never connected with on Facebook suddenly appears as, hey, people you may know. 
And so what's going on here? Well, it, it turns out if, like Facebook doesn't even need to know, like scan your email, your work email in order to get that kind of information. Um, like I mentioned, like th these kind of unconscious things are, are there. And also it's not about you. It's about like other people who are like you. And finding people you may know is, is based on maybe your friends profiles, for example. So uh, Facebook also asks uh, business owners to install a, a Facebook pixel. So I don't know if you've heard of a, a Facebook, uh, like it's a it's a cookie tracker on many popular sites uh, you visit so that your actions can, can be logged. Um, so many of you have already heard of cookies. Uh, many modern browsers such as um, like Brave, for example, uh, they block both trackers and ads and since you know blogs and news sites and, and so many media creators make their revenue from these ads they require that you unblock ads in order to watch the articles or news or, or videos etc um so all this is i'm not talking about anything new here like this has been around for years almost was it 10 years so what is new is that you no longer know what cohort you're in and how many people are in your cohort. And why does this matter? Who cares, right? So I, I, I'm in a federated learning of cohorts. Who cares? Well, if the cohort is small, right? So cohort is like, think of the companies I talked about in the Betty Crocker example. If it's small, let's say 10 people or 100 people, then it essentially becomes a fingerprint that eventually leads back to you. It's not that hard to figure out, like, among these 10 people, which one is you. Uh, if the cohort is really big, let's say it's like millions of people, uh, then it becomes a way of grouping people by broad categories. Um, it could be like gender or race or income, uh, those types of like much more broad categories. Essentially, we are teaching AI to, to be biased. Yeah, pretty much to be biased. We're teaching it discrimination. <laughs> now, what's the big deal about grouping people by these broad categories, such as gender, race, and income? Now, we know in the 2018 U.S. election, we saw how misinformation uh, targeted to uh, poor black communities had an impact in growing voter apathy. They just wouldn't go to the polls. Uh, the mostly non-black media uh, didn't notice these advertisements because they were served a very different set of advertisements on sites such as Facebook. So if the argument is made that big tech doesn't actually know what cohort you're in, you're placed in, they can also avoid liability for making suggestions that are potentially harmful to you. So let's say Betty Crocker releases a recipe that causes a medical reaction in a nut-free cookie company. Betty Crocker might argue that she is not liable because she never came up with the recipe to begin with. She only shared a recipe that an anonymous user came up with. 
<laughs> and when asked who that user was, Betty Crocker could then say, "There's no way to know who submitted it, since they were all anonymous to begin with." Remember, like we said, the cards are anonymous. This is how federated learning works. Is we're only talking about the modifications to the model, modifications to the recipe, and we're only looking at like there's no name associated with it. It's just like a few modifications. So this anonymity、um, is being described as protecting your privacy,、uh, but really what it does is it gives protection to these large big tech companies. It is going to be really hard to know. What posts and videos and ultimately ads are shown to whom?、Uh, it's also going to be really hard to know where the suggestions come from, and who did they go to, or who they went to. And this matters to you because you won't have the option to turn this off. You will not have the right to correct, delete. Or change this data, because it's technically and legally not yours. Your data is just this anonymous modification to a recipe. Your data, especially when you are in a、uh, flock example,、um, it's just those cards. It's just those cards. Those modifications to the recipe. And legally and technically, they do not belong to you. They are the property of the big tech company that is implementing Flock. And so it has all sorts of details about you, all sorts of details about what you like to watch, how much milliseconds you spend on certain posts.、Uh, but it's technically not you. It's technically a processed version of you. It's a, it's just like a, it's just recipe modifications to a recipe. What's the big deal, right? That's what we're sending over to to Google in Flock. So, this changes the nature, and we used to say that data is the new oil. Well, federated data is going to be the new oil. Because that data that people were collecting about you, the personally identifiable data, was a liability. Think about it, right? Like it, every little bit of data you have to be liable for. You could get sued if you don't handle it properly. Ugh, so annoying, right? So much work. But now, if I collect this federated data, yes, the more of that I have, this is an asset for that company. And it doesn't go away. Like I, I have this information potentially forever, and your rights to that, to delete it, are not are basically none, because it's not you. It's an anonymous version of you, right? That is why I say you are going to yearn for the day that you at least knew you had cookies, and you at least knew. What they were tracking about you. At least you, you, you could say like, "Oh, I don't want cookie tracking." You are going to yearn for that day, and that day is going to disappear very, very soon. 
and we are going to enter this new era of data. And I'm not talking about regular, like personally identifiable data. We're going to enter this new era of federated data, which you have no rights to and you have no control of. So unconscious advertising, what, what is what is that? So let me, let me describe it here. So digital marketers and media buyers have known for years that training an AI on a list of people who have bought from you in the past is far more effective than boosting a post based on characteristics from your profile, such as like gender and age alone. Uh, and the, the reason is that people just don't want all this information on their, their profiles, on their personal, they don't want all their personal information like on social media. So they, they cleverly leave many of the personal identity fields blank believing that they have done their part to protect their privacy. However, we know that unconscious input, like the milliseconds of watch time, they reveal the truth. For example, maybe you didn't write down your hobbies into your Facebook profile. But if your watch time, like, matches those of others that love fishing, for example, it's pretty clear that fishing is your hobby as well. Uh, even if you've never liked, commented, or shared any fishing posts, or you, you never joined any fishing groups, your unconscious watch time, like as you scroll that Statue of Liberty of posts every single day, reveals the truth. It's, it's very hard to hide from it. You would, you'd have to not be on the internet at all. So you think like, you know, oh, it's only what I put into the, no, it's not what you put into the profile. What you put into the profile doesn't matter anymore. Now, this has been going on for years. So like I mentioned, they already target you based on very specific things like your age, your gender, and your income level. So how is Flock different from what has happened before. Well, like the title, I said, let me bring it up again. The future of digital marketing and advertising is unconscious. Rather than boosting particular posts, it will be about identifying a few, just a few of your ideal prospects on the platform, and then getting an AI to find people with similar online behaviors. So the input to the system will no longer be explicit personal characteristics like your age, your gender, your hobbies. No, it doesn't need to be those anymore. I remember when I first put in my birthday info into uh, Facebook, uh, then at the time, you had an option uh, to not include my year of birth. So I explicitly said, okay, no, I'm not going to put my year of birth into my Facebook profile. 
I thought this was great because there's like this way I can protect this information on Facebook. Uh, and years later, I was shocked uh, to learn that my birth year was on my profile, even though I had never put it in myself. At the time, I thought, oh, you know, Facebook, maybe they got it from another site. Like they, they went to some other site where I had put it in and they, they had learned it from there. But I've since learned that that's not even necessary. AI can determine my age based on my friends and my online behavior pretty quick. It doesn't need me to put in a like an age in order for me. Like just because you don't put in data doesn't mean we don't know it about you. That makes sense. So it's, it's like your unconscious data, like how much time I spend looking at, you know, people of my age's uh, posts, like pretty quickly reveals like which category I'm in. Um, as a result, advertisers like digital and marketing advertisers, they will be better at uh, discriminatory uh, ad targeting by creating cohorts of people with those exact characteristics and asking AI to create lookalike audiences. For example, if I want uh, people of a certain income level, well, all I have to do is uh, put people that I know that have that income level into a lookalike audience and then ask the AI to find others that have the same browsing behavior. Even if you don't write down how much income you have, it doesn't matter. Right? Like you behave like other people that have that income, especially online. So this is important because even if people don't put anything in their their profile, uh, it still should be able to find people who match that profile exactly. So what do ads look like in a world of block or the federated learning or I call it federated targeting because that's more that's more an apt description um, ads in a world of flock will be they'll be more targeted they'll be more discriminatory and most importantly they're going to be more effective it will be like they are speaking specifically to you or people in your exact situation. This week, I shared with insiders exclusive information that expands on ethical AI, including reactions from my computer science peers. Leave a comment if you found today's session helpful. If you sign up for AI Parenting Insider this week, I'll also provide you with a code for a free screen time chart that makes it easier to see the quality of the screen time your family is spending today. Thanks, and I'll see you next week where we will talk about the skills your children can develop that won't be replaced by AI. Thank you.